0: So continuing the focus, really, we're doing this series, Talking Jesus, and um, we're simply looking at Jesus this morning, talking about children. So a short reading from uh, Mark chapter 10 and verse 13, very famous story. It's a great uh, story that some some of us will have learned as children ourselves. So Mark 10, verse 13 people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Just say that together with me after three, indignant. But say it like you're indignant. One, two, three. Indignant. Right. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them and blessed them. He took the children into his arms, put his hand on them and blessed them. I don't know about you, but the times God has spoken to me most powerfully have usually been rebukes, not horrible, hard rebukes, usually gentle, but strong, loving rebukes. And one of them was this. Um, as a father of three little girls, I know that I had a no attitude to them. Whenever they said, Daddy, can I have a drink? My answer was no, no just no Um, you know it was inconvenient um, for me to get them a drink and about two minutes three minutes later I'm sat there thinking or stood there thinking why can't they have a drink Andrew but whenever they said daddy can I the answer was no actually at church as a leader as a pastor I was completely the other way around Whenever people said, uh, Pastor, can we do this? My answer was yes. In fact, some of my team around me were say, used to say to me, Andrew, you can't keep saying yes to people. But I had a yes spirit at church. People could do anything and a no spirit at home. And one day I was still in the kitchen and one of the girls said no. I said no to them. And, and God just absolutely brought me up. And he said, he says, why have you got a yes spirit in ministry and a no spirit at home? And that just, oh, just realized kind of, and God wanted to change my attitude, change my heart. And when we get to this passage, we get a bunch of disciples. So that kind of makes me a good disciple, doesn't it? Because they had a no spirit and God had to teach them what a no spirit was like. A no spirit because these mums and dads and and families wanted to bring their children to Jesus to bless them. And the disciples kind of exceeding their authority because that's what jobs worth people do, don't they? And they're just going arms folded, um, you know, uh, or even locked. You know, three disciples one side, three the other, three the other, three the other. And we can stop them, you know, kind of almost like a rugby scrum. We're going to stop them getting to Jesus. So when they're bringing their children to Jesus, their answer is no. Actually, it's stronger than that. It's a rebuke. That was a strong word. It was a word that cast the children away, meant that they believed that Jesus did not have time for little kids. They, they were brought up with that, what's that old saying? Children should be seen and not heard. They, they don't have a place here. And Jesus sees and hears what the disciples was doing and he was, after three, one, two, three, Indignant. <laughs> He was absolutely the opposite. His spirit was a, a yes spirit towards children. Our churches should absolutely be a great place with open doors, open arms, and a yes spirit to bless children, to bless families. And They used to be. In the 1800s was the rise of Sunday schools. Now, the rise of Sunday schools was not Sunday school as you know it, You know, where you got to paint uh, a picture of Jesus or got to make a model of Jesus healing the blind man's eyes or whatever. It wasn't like that. The rise of Sunday schools meant that you as a child could go to Sunday school and spend all day there learning to read and learning to write and being taught those things from the Bible. So much so that by the late 1800s, one and a quarter million children were in Sunday school every week. By the time of the First World War, one in four soldiers in the British Army had been to Sunday school. Can you imagine that? One in four. That's 80%, isn't it? Somebody tell me. Something like that anyway. Just massive. The massive impact of of God, of God's word, of of Sunday school on children's lives. Incredible. Just amazing the impact it was having. And yet today, you know, um, we know that unless you're a church family kid, most families across the nation don't even have a clue about church, don't know anything at all about Jesus. And um, sadly, as Paul's painted this morning, we hear stories of children being abused, children uh, going through horrific situations with their families, and not just that. Our own societies put incredible strains onto family life, just the way families live. Multi-generational ignorance, and I don't mean that as a as a, um, a detriment. It's just an honest, a multi general ignorance, generational ignorance of God and his truth, and his love. We have media pressures right across the board that militate against spirituality, where we're saying that, look, look, everybody, life is leisure. Life is pleasure. And all you need to do is get yourself a selfie-ish kind of phone um, that teaches you that, that it's absolutely only ever all about you. We've got family breakdown. And sadly, again and again and again, that militates against an understanding of who God is. Mainly because there's very, very few real father figures that actually begin to teach children about strength and about love and about manhood and manliness. And children often, time and time again, are more nuisances um, and difficult I'm going to ask my wife, Catherine, to come and just share a little bit of maybe one or two situations that might help us get that picture. Catherine, put
1: oh, the glasses on. I didn't used to use the glasses when I was last in Lancash- Lancaster. <laughs> Yeah, he's laughing.
0: Bigger, darling.
1: (laughs) You see, I'm his boss. I'll tell him later. So, um, names—just a little tiny story, but names and details, obviously, as I noticed with Paul, have been changed, obviously. Um, So, I'm the family support manager for Safe Families in Lancashire. I was really surprised when they gave me the job because I thought I'm really old, and. uh, went for this job and got it, and I I feel really, really privileged now to to work for Safe Families, and it's been brilliant since Paul's come on board, because as you can see, he's the perfect um, volunteer manager for us, and we work together. So, um, as Paul said, I visit homes of families who are referred to us by the local authority. Um, A typical referral will read that the family require support managing home conditions Managing children's behaviour or to help the parent implement routines and prevent clear boundaries, pr- pr- provide clear boundaries, sorry, not prevent them. Um, so when I um, read these reports or read these reports, I can easily question so is there hope? How can we possibly do that with a volunteer? Um, how can we support them? And um, how can children and adults belong anywhere? I mean, even Quite a lot of the places we work um, and the areas we work, we don't know the local churches and we don't have volunteers, which can be quite stressful. Sometimes that's why myself or Paul um, do take on the volunteer work, because we have to provide in that area. But then uh, gradually, gradually, volunteers appear. So there is always hope. Um, so... Um, so quite often, um, families—what we, f- the families that we find, like the one the man that um, Paul and myself visited on Tuesday—they're just hiding behind a closed door. Uh, you don't know that they're there. You're walking past the houses every day. Very likely, um, they maybe feel like failures. They want a job, and they've no idea where to begin. Um, uh, a lady I visited actually yesterday morning, which is Saturday. Um, You know, 22 years old with four children um, on her own and uh, doesn't know where to start and I introduced her to a volunteer so one of our volunteers, Amy took a four year old out to the park for a couple of hours each fortnight after six months her work finished and Amy said I don't feel I've really made a proper difference all I've done is take her child out and now I've just put her back in But the social worker said, it's been brilliant. Amy taking the child out at this time has given the mum the time to do our parenting course. And it's made a massive difference to the other children, the other three children in her family. So the insight, the mum's new insight into better parenting that we didn't provide that course. That was provided by another agency will change their life in the future. Okay, so that's the first story. Oops.
0: Jesus said the kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. And time and again, time and again, that's what we're doing, just simply putting a mustard seed into people's lives. So Jesus was indignant. And, and I guess the strength of his indignance contrasts with the strength of the disciples rebuke you know kind of they were they were no minus 10 Jesus was yes minus 50,000 million just that that wide open arms and he took them into his arms and he blessed them I guess the disciples learned a, a big lesson well I hope they learned a big lesson that day but then Jesus said something else and he said unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child then you'll never enter it. In other words, he was saying we have to come as helpless as a child, um, utterly needing the gift of of God's grace. We come unprotected like children do with with finding a way that somehow the barriers of, of our own Needs and our own determination to protect ourselves, allowing God to melt those down or break them down. And we come uneducated with very little knowledge, simply accepting um, Jesus as our Saviour. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so last century, one of the greatest Bible scholars of the last century, a guy called Karl Barth. He used to write books that thick. And one of his big books, that thick, was all about doctrine and the teaching of, of the Bible. And somebody said to, to Karl Barth, Dr. Barth, will you, will you just sum um, your book up in, in one sentence? And he said, yeah. Jesus loves me, this I, I know. For the Bible tells me so. A guy with an intellect that is a gazillion miles above mine, for sure. That was his way of summing up the story of God. And that's how we come as little children. So Jesus uses them as an object lesson. But then when you read the Bible and begin to get a big picture on God and his heart for children, listen to some of these things. Exodus 22:21. do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 11, rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites in your town and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows living among you. Deuteronomy 27, cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow. The prophet Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. This powerful verse from James chapter 1 and verse 27 that has time and time again written its way into Catherine's and my life. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. As a church church, we must not be a stumbling block we must not have a no attitude that doesn't have a vision for a heart for a passion for children so today you hear some of the stories of catherine and paul you hear some of the needs and i kid you not we're not even scratching the surface of scratching the surface when you hear that where's where's our indignance Where's our indignance? Do you know, God has blessed Hope Church. Some of the stuff that we're doing in and for the city is amazing. When I think about Adullam and CR, think about the olive branch, when I think about um, Bay Volunteers, it is amazing. But I do believe God's also saying, hang on, has um, Safe Families got a place in your hearts too. We're not just called to be a good free Methodist church. Every free Methodist church is actually called to its community. Called to its community. So here we are, the city of Lancaster at our fingertips. What may be our service. I'm not saying everybody here this morning has got to be a volunteer for, uh, say, families. But listen to what God's saying. What's, what's he saying to you? And uh, if you want, then make inquiries at the back. It's over there on my right, your left. At the back, Paul and Catherine will be there. And uh, and go and have a chat to them afterwards. But Catherine's just going to share another story. Thanks. Okay,
1: I'll just read you this one. So Barbara is the grandmother of three girls referred to Safe Families back in October. The referral asked for this Gran to be helped as she wasn't coping. I mean, Gran had brought them up and she did really well. She did her best, but she really couldn't cope once they hit, hit teenage years. One child was refusing to attend year seven. One was hiding in her room, but being supported by another agency. I mean, we're not the only agency, we work with many others. And all children had extremely, and I mean extremely bad knits, I mean our children had knits when they were little. But you just coped with them and, and then you... I don't remember that. No, you didn't have to <laughs> cope <count> with them. <laughs> Those of you with daughters, you will get it, and, and maybe some sons, especially the long-haired ones. But these children, it was so bad, you could see them as you stood across the room. Apart, away f- across the room. And um, social services were not coping. They hadn't got the time to deal with it, and Gran definitely didn't know how to do it. The social worker felt very despondent about their situation. Um, Paul and I uh, identified a recently retired volunteer, and she agreed to give it her best shot. And that's pretty brave, you know, when you've got children of your own to go in to a house with so many struggles. And within three months, so this is my short version, all three girls were attending and loving their chur- her church youth group in a church of England in Preston. They joined junior church, and they even took part in the nativity play, and one of them was the narrator. These are children that wouldn't go to school because they, for many reasons. Um, I got my daughter to come. Oh, by the way, the Gran even came. Their Gran came and watched the Nativity play and even invited her boyfriend, who came. Um, my daughter helped me deal with their knits. And so the hairdresser, because oh, she's a hairdresser, so the children's confidence grew. And then what did they do? Started going back to school again. We know that when say Family stops officially being involved, this family will be cared for by that church. The friendships will continue and they will belong. Thank you.
0: I just need to say my, my daughter's not a hairdresser, she's a L'Oreal specialist <laughs> because she's worth it. <laughs> so I'm just going to finish with a story. Um, Um, It's a children's story, and if you think it's not grown up enough for you, then you've not grown down enough for it. The children loved coming home from school and playing in this huge garden. It was full of peach trees that gave off beautiful blossom in the springtime, which led to gorgeous, luscious peaches in the autumn. They played there all the time and cried out to one another, how happy we are. Are here. One day, the owner of the garden, a giant who'd been away, came back. He was so angry to find children in his garden. What are you doing here? He cried out in a gruff voice. The children fled. My garden is my own garden. I'll allow nobody to play in it but myself. And he built a big wall all around the garden. Trespassers will be prosecuted, was the sign he put up outside. Winter came with snow and hail and ice and wind. And it stayed. All around the garden, spring came, blossom came out, but winter remained in the garden behind the wall. Every day, the giant would wait for spring to come and then summer, and then autumn, but never, never, ever. One day he heard a noise in the garden. And he looked out because it was an unusual noise. It was the sound of children playing. And through a crack in the wall, some children who didn't know about the giant had come in. And every single tree where the children played, spring had come and blossom had appeared. Except in the furthest corner of the garden, a tiny little child trying to reach into the tree could not do so. And so the tree was still stuck, frozen in winter. I will go and help that child, the giant said to himself. And so he went and crept quietly through the garden, so as not to disturb the children, and took this little child and lifted it into the branches of the tree, whereupon the frozen uh, tree melted and immediately came into blossom. The giant knocked the wall down and said, from here on the children will play in my garden. And day after day he went and played with them, but the little boy disappeared he worried and he asked the other children but they said they'd never seen the little boy before winter came one day the giant looked out as spring began to thaw into the garden and saw the little boy again at the tree And he went down to lift the little boy into the tree. And as he lifted the little boy, he saw nail prints in his hands and marks in his feet. Who hath durst wound thee? cried the giant, for I will surely slay him. Nay, nay, said the little boy, but these are the wounds. Of love, you have invited me into your garden, and today you will be with me in paradise. After school that day, when the children came into the garden, they found the giant covered in blossom, dead at the foot of the tree. Whoever receives a child, whoever receives a child, God bless you.